This is Southern New Hampshire's home for the Boston Red Sox. Twelve fifty WGAM Manchester WGHM Nashua. Just five years old, there was nothing happening at all. Every time she puts on a radio, there was nothing going down at all. Not at all. Then one fine morning, she puts on a New York station. You know, she don't believe what she heard at all. She started shaking to that fine, fine music. You know, her life was saved by right. Sliding and lunged for it, made the play. Here's the throwback to first, and he got it. Mookie Betts with another brilliant play. Into right field, Mookie Betts over, made the catch. Could not double off the runner, but what an incredible diving catch by Mookie Betts out in right field. The lead on the Jackie Bradley homer, and there's a high deep drive by Mookie Betts. Merrifield back, track wall, and kiss it goodbye. High fly, driven deep to left. This is rising up. It's gone. Just like that, one to nothing. Mookie strikes. High deep drive, sock to left. That one carrying way, way back. And it is gone. Mookie bets with a home run, a two-run shot. And the Red Sox have the lead on opening day. Here's the throw into third, the tag, he is out of third base. Mookie, Mookie Betts. And welcome back to the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. We are live from Boston Billiards Club and now Casino as of a week ago. Man, this place is packing up. They got a ton of uh, ton of tables filling up here. They got the blackjack. They got the uh, Tex Hold'em. Uh, you name it. You can find it here. It's like Vegas in here. Uh, minus uh, all the, uh, the sin. <laughs> but then again, who knows, right? You never know. The, the night is young. Yeah, Sin Vegas is right up the street, yeah. right? So there you go. Maybe it's now it's going to be Sin Nashua, Sin Nashua. Something, yeah. There we go. Yeah, we got, we got a rival match. We're creating we're creating NASCAR drinking games and new titles for the city of Nashua here on the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. I am your host Jimmy Murphy. Bob Bartis with me here alongside. We will be joined by Lou Merloni of WEEI.com shortly. Uh, he's on his way up to this area, actually headed to Manchester. And as I said at the end of the last segment, he is headed to go and be a featured guest at the Granite State Baseball Dinner. And we just happen to have, compliments of the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, uh, a VIP reception tickets where you can go tomorrow from 4 to 5 p.m. and be part of a VIP reception in which you can mix and mingle with some of the celebrity guests, including Mr. Maloney, uh, and also Chris Carpenter, Wade Boggs, Louis Tiont, Rich Gedman, and Denny McClain. 
and uh, you'll be first in line for autographs, and you'll also have four tickets to the Granite State Baseball Dinner. If you want this package brought to you by Delta Dental, you can, uh, you can come on down here to Boston Billiards Club and Casino, 55 Northeastern Boulevard in Nashua, and we will send you to the Radisson Hotel Expo Center in Elm Street in downtown Manchester for this wonderful package tomorrow, but you must come here in person. And trust me, you won't mind coming here. If you're here, you'll, you'll be glad you did. It's a, it looks like a great time here. The, uh, the staff is very nice. Uh, the management's great. And uh, Bob Bardis is here, so what else would you want? <laughs> it's, free, it's Free Advice Friday. Free Advice Friday <laughs> from attorney Bob Bardis. There we go. I uh, have to do some of that myself once we get off the air, but uh, well, that's for a whole other day. That's for a different show. Um, Bob, we're going to talk some baseball with Lou Maloney, and a lot of people in Boston are a little ticked off, uh, as I said, that Mookie Betts did not get the MVP of the American League. And by the way, Chris Bryant of Chicago Cubs, he got the award in the National League, well-deserved. Now, the thing is, as we will discuss... Uh, with and uh, Sully, if you can hear me, Mr. Maloney says he's all set, so ring him up. Um, the thing is, Bob, stats wise, Mike Trout, I mean, definitely MVP caliber. This guy is uh, he's a stud, you know, and he keeps doing it year after year. And he's young, he's 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 a great face for baseball, but his team stunk. And I guess it, you know, it doesn't even have to be when we're talking about baseball, just sports in general, whether it be your favorite sport through NASCAR, whether it be hockey, you know, basketball. Fo- I, to you, what does most valuable player mean? What do, you, what do you have to do to be the most valuable player to your team? you got to be the leader. Mm-hmm. you gotta, you got to bring the stats. you got to be the leader in the locker room. you got to be the leader on the field. Okay, and, and does your leadership have to result in some success? For me, no. So you're okay with a with a, a last place team having an MVP? If 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 you're the contributor that is keeping the last place team together, because everyone will jump on the bandwagon and say, "Hey, we're on the winning team. Great job being the leader." But to me, the job is harder if you are further down in the stats, further down in the standings, and you're keeping that team together and trying to gain momentum going, and your team is showing up and playing. See, I think they need to be at least in contention. Not necessarily first place like the Red Sox, but at least in contention, which the Anaheim Angels weren't. But let's get a former MLB player and Boston Red Sox and Cleveland Indian, and like I said, a featured guest at the Granite State Baseball Dinner tomorrow in Manchester at the Radisson Hotel Expo Center on Elm Street in downtown Manchester. He is joining us now by phone, Lou Merloni of WEEI. Lou, how you doing? I'm doing good, but help me out. Is it tomorrow night or tonight? Because I'm on my way up there. According to our tickets, uh, it's it's uh, tomorrow. So if if you've got a free night all of a sudden, Lou, I suggest you get over here because this Boston Billiards uh, Club and Casino is uh, hopping, and uh, they've got some great drinks here. Oh my God, I gotta check that one out. Anyways, uh, I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I imagine they probably have a little something going for uh, the featured guest tonight before the the rest of the the public attends it tomorrow. So I'm sure you'll you'll be all right. But we're doing good, Lou, and. Of course, you know, the hot topic today is Mookie Betts not getting the AL MVP. Uh, but then again, Red Sox fans can kind of look at it with a grain of salt and say, hey, well, maybe Rick Purcell didn't deserve the Cy Young. Uh, your take on both those controversial 
uh, awards there. And let's start with the Cy Young first. Well, first off, I was 0 for 2 because I, 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 I thought Justin Verlander was going to win it. And, and it's not a, it's not nothing against Rick Porcello. He was outstanding. He carried that team and saved that team. Um, but I just I looked at the numbers, and, and I'm kind of seduced by strikeouts, you know, and I understand that that's probably unfair because you can still be a dominant pitcher without strikeouts. I'm well aware of that. But, you know, the batting average against, the numbers were similar as opposed to, you know, the wins, I understand, advantage for Cello, but the batting average against, you know, 204 to 230, to me it just kind of, you know, it shows some dominance. And I thought it would go to Verlander. Then after I saw the vote, you know, I'm not, not to go all Kate Upton on you, but I, I did feel that, you know, 14 to 8. This was not 12 to 11 when Wainwright didn't get it or, or something like that. But 14 to 8, to me, you get 14 first place votes to 8, you win. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm baffled by it. I'm with you. I, I feel it's the exact same way. I think Verlander deserved it. And now as we go over to the MVP for the American League, I, I think Betts deserved it. because. And, you know, I was listening to your show today on WEI in the midday show there uh, with Christian Fourier, Glenn Ordway. And, you know, Fourier brought up that great point about let's just simply look at his success against the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, right there, they're in the, the heat of a, a, a pennant race, a division race there. Mookie Betts almost single-handedly you could say, won the division for them. I mean, he, he basically knocked the Orioles out of the division race. Yeah, and, you know, you could say the same about Porcello. I understand that as well, right? Doing it in the AL East, to me, is a lot different. It's the best division in baseball. So that's a tip mm-hmm. in his cap. And, and but I just when I look at the MVP, you know, you've got to have a great year to take it from, from Mike Trout, and I understand that, and, and Cabrera did, and Donaldson did. You know, and Mookie had an unbelievable season, and I think just think at some point you, you do have to look at, you know, the, the, the teams itself because I, I believe, as we saw, October baseball is different than September baseball. The pressures are there. The game is different. you got to control your emotions, and maybe that got to some of the guys in the Red Sox. So and September baseball is different than April. I mean, there's more on the line. There's more pressures. You give me a player to Trout, but hit 378 in the month of August. Um, you know, and, and slowed down a little bit in September, but still, he was playing different games in August and September than Mike Trout was. You know, Trout's season mm-hmm. was over. It was Groundhog Day to him. And I think that has to count to something. I heard you guys talking earlier, and I agree with the point that, you know, you don't have to make the playoffs yet, but you, but you should be in contention in September playing meaningful games. So basically talking about Altuve, I understand that. You know, not making the postseason, but getting himself in position – and I just think because of that, I just thought Mookie deserved it, given the, the different type of games, type of ball games he was involved in in August and September when they're they're fighting for playoff spot. Yeah, I'm with you, Lou, and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, based on the, the controversy we've seen here and the, the surprises in these decisions, do you think, and this probably comes up every year because always there's going to be people that are upset with stuff, but it's rare that we see this much controversy. Do you think they're going to change the criteria uh, for the voting, or is that just sort of etched in stone? Yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't think they are. Um, maybe you change the weight, you know, of a first place vote. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that Cy Young vote to me, it, it's almost. Like we're so concerned about getting like a third, fourth, fifth place vote, right? Because it's involved in some people's contracts, yeah, you know, and 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 maybe even Hall of Fame status. But really, what matters is. 
just one person. Who do you think deserves the Cy Young? One person. Who do you think deserves the MVP? End it. But, you know, those, those talks come into play when you start talking about, you know, Hall of Fame status. Well, he might not have won a Cy Young, but he did have two seconds and three thirds. So we discussed those things. But in reality, you really should be just voting for one guy. Who do you think should yeah. win? And forget about the yep. weight process. And, well, this guy didn't win because two guys didn't vote him a fifth-place finish, and those points would have put him over the top. And, it's, yeah, it's just the Porcello won the Cy Young because he got more second-place votes than Verlander. Yeah, the whole thing just, just seems weird. It's really weird. And how much has sabermetrics over the years uh, changed the way votes are made and the effect? what's the effect that has now? Well, I think sabermetrics is one way to determine, like, the greatest all-around player, but that doesn't necessarily mean MVP. You know, mm-hmm. and I think this is where, like, the Trout-Cabrera discussion comes into play, or even a David Ortiz-Trout comparison where, you know, th- their wars are never going to be close because their lack of base running, you know, defensive metrics. I mean, that's a huge part of the equation. So somebody like Trout, somebody like Mookie Betts, you know, who – and that's the thing. Trout didn't go up against Cabrera Ortiz's offensive numbers. He went up against Mookie Betts, who was a gold glove right fielder, was voted by the players as the best defensive player in baseball, uh, mm-hmm. stole 26 bags to go to Trout 30. So as far as that metric world, he should have been his equal this year. Um, so I, I don't know. I think it's skewed. But anytime you look at war and, and ESPN or baseball reference has one and fan graphs has the other, different numbers because they use different equations, is that really what we're going to base all this off of when people can't even get on the same page to come up with one formula? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm completely with you. And, and before we move on, because I do want to just ask you quickly what you think the Red Sox need the most here with the hot stove up and cooking. Um, you know, when I had some votes for NHL awards when I was covering the Bruins for a long time, one of the things I, I, I felt like it was my responsibility to talk to other media members and even scouts in different regions, in different areas, and other teams, you know, because obviously I don't see the West as much as I see the East. And I, I really felt that would help me get a better grasp of who the true MVP was or who the best goalie was and what they meant to each respective team. Yeah. Do you think writers still do that in baseball? Or do you think they go too much of what they see on TV or they see through these, uh, these you know, analytics and stuff? Do you think there's still enough communication amongst them trying to do that research? Well, I would hope so. You know, I know the guys in Boston, I've talked to them before, and being in the season when they know they have a vote, it's something that they have to kind of pay attention to and do a little homework on the side. You know, the guy that left yeah. Erlander off and put, put Tanaka on, you know, he, he said he, he, you know, he turned his, his, it in two weeks earlier, which I think is ridiculous. I don't know what the rush yep. is. I don't know if that's just lazy or what, but you know, he walked through a Tampa Bay clubhouse and said, you know, what do you think? And started talking to some players. And, and listen, as you know, you can go through some of these guys and say, man, he was 3-0 and or 4-0 and against a certain team and maybe struggled against another team for whatever reason. So as a player, I might sit there and say, man, every time we face Tanaka, the dude is filthy and he just kills us, you know, and he is nasty. What about Verlander? Ah, we haven't faced him. We faced him in May. He was okay. You know, he wasn't on his game. And then, you know, take that and to say, okay, that's it. Tanaka's in my voting and Verlander's not. I think that's irresponsible, uh, guys. A little more, yeah, a little more diligent than that. I don't know if that's how it played out or not. I would hope it would. Yeah, but I have a feeling maybe it does sometimes. You know, I mean, it's just because the the way sure. the the new age of social media and and so much technology available available, some people are going to get lazy here and there. And I, I just think there's nothing better than a human eye. And if that if your eyes can't see it, 
talk to somebody's eyes that do see that guy on an everyday basis. And I'm sure some of these guys saw what Mookie Betts meant to this Red Sox team, specifically in the times you mentioned he might be MVP right now. Quickly before we let you go, Lou, uh, if you yep. can just pinpoint in your eyes what the biggest need for the Red Sox is in this offseason, I believe it's bullpen. I don't know if you're in agreement with me. Yeah, I, I do, um, and, I, and I like the Greg Holland discussion. Um, I do think that, you know, Tommy John these days, guys usually come back pretty good. So um, mm-hmm. he is an opportunity that to maybe not get involved in the um, Araldis Chapman Jansen discussion. I don't think Melanson, I don't want to go there. We've already caught that act once in this market. It's not going to work. But Holland's a guy that uh, maybe shorter term, less money, more risk. But I think a guy that you can put in there with, you know, with Carson Smith, with Joe Kelly to get the ball to Kimbrell. So I, I like that idea a lot of Holland. And to me, I look at Beltron. I like the switch hitter in the middle of the lineup, another short term yep. deal. Incarnacion would, would definitely soften the blow, but you know he's not David Ortiz, and I worry about getting involved in a five-year deal, four five-year deal. So, you know, short term because I, I think the team is, is is very good, you know, and I think a bullpen arm, um, a veteran hitter that adds another veteran leadership to this group in this clubhouse, and a professional in Carlos Beltran, and then I think you you're all set for the off season, and then you wait and you evaluate again in July. Yeah, I'm with you, and I like the point you make there too. Uh, about Holland, just making sure these guys can handle this market. I mean, we saw the problems David Price had at times, and I'm sure he's learned from that, and I, I think he'll utilize that experience from this past season and apply it next year. But that is a big factor, and that's another thing Like we can draw a parallel to what we were saying about awards. It's do your scouting and go out there and, and know how mentally tough these guys are because when you play in a market like Boston, you need it. So I, I think that's a great point by you. Lou, listen, safe travels, my friend, and if uh, if you get stuck with nothing to do, we'll be here, all right? All right, sounds good. All right, thanks a lot. That's Lou Maloney, and like I said, you can catch him tomorrow at the Granite State Baseball Dinner presented by Delta Dental, and that's at the Radisson Hotel Expo Center on Elm Street in downtown Manchester. We've got a VIP package here of four tickets to the VIP reception where you can mix with Lou himself as well as Chris Carpenter, Wade Boggs, Louis Tiant, Rich Gedman, and Denny McLean. And that reception runs from 4 to 5 p.m. Come on down here to the Boston Billiards Club and Casino to grab your set of four tickets to this VIP reception. It sounds like a good deal to me. If I wasn't busy tomorrow night, I'd do it. Get on down here. Maybe I'll change my mind and take these. So come on by. See us over at the ESPN New Hampshire table. We're over by the gaming tables. It's Bob Bardis. Pete Terrier from ESPN New Hampshire is here, and myself. We will be back in the next segment. We'll talk some NFL football and some Patriots with Cole Wright of NFL Network. Stay with us. The Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire returns. Twelve fifty ESPN New Hampshire, Manchester's home for soccer fans. highly competitive person, you know, I got a lot of confidence in what I can do, so I mean, it's tough, you know, just not being out there with your team and, uh, you know, doing anything to help the team win, so 
mean, but, you know, man, at the end of the day, you know, I had to just put my pride to the side and, you know, continue to work hard and uh, wait till I got my next opportunity. I mean, football is all about, the most important thing is the football, so what happens to the football is how the whole game is judged. If it crosses the goal line, turnovers, takeaways, it's the most important thing on a football field is the football, so when you get it, you take care of it. When the other team has it, you try to take it from them. How important do you think that quick release is to your, your offense? It's something that's been talked about more over the years because of the advanced metric websites, or has it always been there? The what now? Quick release quarterback release. What metric are you talking about? Advanced, like the advanced websites thing. What the hell is that? <laughs> I mean, you could take those advanced websites and metric them wherever you want, I don't know. I have no idea. I've never looked at one. I wouldn't even care to look at one. I don't even care what they say. Um, as far as the quarterback goes, read the coverage, throw the ball to the open, the open receiver, take the best matchup. I mean, that's what it is in a nutshell. So if the quicker we're open, the better the, the clearer the picture, the sooner the ball's going to come out. We don't have anybody open. Who's the quarterback going to throw it to? So. It's, it's timing, decision-making, execution by the entire offensive team. That's what the passing game is. Receiver's got to get open and catch the ball. Quarterback's got to read the coverage, make the right decision, make an accurate throw. And all the metric pages and all that, I mean, I have no idea. It's something you guys have to a smarter coach than me. And welcome back to the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. We are live from the Boston Billiards Club and Casino, North, 55 Northeastern Boulevard in Nashua. Come on by, say hello. Like I said, we got a pair of VIP tickets to the Granite Baseball, Granite State Baseball dinner tomorrow. Uh, some good names there, like we just said. So come on by, drop by the ESPN New Hampshire table here. Bob Bartis and myself. Hosting the show here on the road. Glad to be here. It's about happy hour time now, my friend. Yes, it is. It is happy hour here on a Friday night, and uh, the tables are packed. Pool tables are starting to pack up. The TVs are going. Come on by, and it's time to talk some football now with our good friend, Cole Wright of NFL Network. Cole, how you doing? I'm doing well, brother. How you doing, man? You know, I can't get over that, that Bill Belichick uh, you know, press conference. You know, it's all about... <laughs> About not going to those sabermetric sites, or you know, those, those the way where they they put the, all those numbers forward. He said, "I don't even think I've ever been to it." And how about that sleeveless shirt he was wearing today? See that? Oh my gosh, <laughs> he was he was awesome yeah, today, can't beat right? Can't B double, can't beat B double, man. He's as good as it gets. You know, you know something. When we usually call when I need a little breather, or even a little nap, a quick power nap. That's when we play Bill Belichick. But today, he kept me up and running here. He was like Red Bull. He was awesome. He's great, man. You know he's going to have a, a little, a uh, little vinegar in his tank. You know when when, when Gronk's not traveling and Chris Hogan's not traveling, and you know some of those offensive weapons, you know, are not on the plane in order to get things done. But you know, next man up. You know, we know that's how the Patriots do, and you know, Bill Belichick will have his team prepared as always, ready to play. And I think I think they'll be able to go out there and get a W. I hear you, my friend. Well, just quickly before we get into some of the games I'm looking at this week and some of the big ones here. Um, what is your thoughts on that? I mean, you agree with him? Do you, 
when it comes down to it, is it really just about the nitty-gritty and the human eye? I think that's what it is. <clears throat> I think that's how Bill Belichick, you know, really draws things up. I, you know, I, I still have a firm belief that, you know, he told someone, you know, once upon a time that he was going to be a great coach one day, and someone said, you know, that they, they didn't believe him. They kind of laughed at him, and he, he kind of looked at him and continued to look at him, and then that look became a stare, and then he just started to burn into their soul with his eyes and say, you know, <laughs> you don't think I'm going to be, be solid? Well, let me give you the eye test. Here's what's going to happen. Now I'm going to win <laughs> at least four Super Bowls. And you're going to have to deal with that. And I'm going to go. To, I'm going to go to it a whole bunch more. And that, that's just how it is. And at the end of the day, I'm going to be considered, you know, one of the best coaches in the history of the National Football League. So if he says it's all about the eye test and it doesn't really matter, you know, what some of those advanced scouting websites say, you know, I'm, I'm rolling with Bill. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. And I, I think those you things know? help. But I, I really think Cole in the last couple of years, it, it's become too much. It's, it, too many people weighing too much on it. And I Busy think it's work. a mixture of Busy both, work. but I lean, I yeah. lean more towards the old school. But, hey, listen, buddy, speaking of old and new school, we spoke about it, I think, even just Monday. We were like, okay. is, Go- is Goff coming? Jared Goff coming? Is he ready? And, wow. and Jared Goff will make his first start for the L.A. Rams against a Miami Dolphins defense, Cole. I'm not sure if you saw this, but Eric Edholm pointed it out to us the day after we spoke to you. They have locked out in their last five games they've played. They have knocked out the starting quarterback out of the game. That wow. is a scary yeah. defense to start your career against. It's almost like the uh, NFL version of The Price is Right. Jared Goff, come on down. You're the next contestant. <laughs> knocked out of the game. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's, he's, he should be built for it. He went number one overall. So, I mean, obviously that, that they, they saw something in Jared Goff from what he did at Cal, you know, that it, it exhibited leadership quality, you know, a, a, a winning mentality. So, you know, will he be able to, you know, to put that on the field, you know, in a professional setting? We'll see. I mean, you, you, you only get a first chance, to make, one chance to make a, a – never get a – okay, let's start from scratch. I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, what is it, an old head and shoulders commercial? You never get a second chance to make a first impression. So, uh, yeah, Jared Goff, you know, in, in between me mixing things up right there. But I think, uh, you know, it's, it's – it, we're going to see if, if they can give him the protection he needs up front from some of those, you know, those those guys like 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 a Cam Wake or you know uh, Indomitian Sue. We'll see. So you know they're going to they're definitely going to be ready to, to get after him, and they're going to be ready to be welcome. They're going to be ready to welcome him to the National Football League. That's for sure. Sure, Bob. Uh, Cole, um, reading up here, Rob Gronkowski not only will not play with uh, on Sunday, he is not traveling with the team. Chris Hogan yep. is also out, and Martellus Bennett now is going to be part of an integral offense. Uh, do you see the Belichick, or what's your prediction? Is he going to come up with some razzle-dazzle plays or try something else out here with the uh, with the weekend 49ers team? You know, I, I think that I, I can see Martellus Bennett being a decoy and just opening up a, a lot of lanes for everybody else because, you know, we, we've seen games where he, he's really shined. I believe early in the season he had that three-touchdown game. But since then, we haven't seen a whole bunch out of him. Well, maybe it's going to be a rebirth. We're going to see him do a little bit more of that again. And, you know, it definitely brings, you know, plenty of athleticism to the table. So, you know, if you can implement him in the game plan, I mean, it's not going to be the game plan that you need to win a Super Bowl because, after all, they're, they're, they're playing the San Francisco 49ers. Is this a, a, a tune-up game? I don't know if that's what you want to call it, but it, it's definitely going to be – a little bit easier than, than than what it was against Seattle. So, you know, is, is Gronk going to be necessary? Not not so much. Do you need Chris Hogan? Not really. Martellus Bennett, will he, you know, will he be beneficial in the game plan? I, I'd like to think so. 
uh, staying with the Patriots there, obviously, as I said to you Monday, uh, and it's, it's continued throughout the week, Cole, here, uh, the defense taking a lot of criticism. Um, you know, a lot of people pointing to that as a, as a reason where now maybe they're not the Super Bowl favorites that everyone thinks they are. Of course, I, I loved when you brought in your, your outside perspective there and told everyone to calm down because I'm right with you there. But yeah. you're on the team. Let's say you're, you're a guy in that Patriots defense right now. It, it, they'll try to tell you that they don't read it, they don't hear it, they don't know, they, they bury their heads in the sand. You know they're full of it. You know they're on Twitter. You know they're on social media. They're seeing all these shots they're taking all week. How much does that motivate a player when he sees that? And, and how much are they going to try to take it out on the 49ers? You know, I think tremendously. I think that they're going to go out there and, and I mean, they're going to try to beat the 49ers like, you know, like like they won the Super Bowl last year. Clearly they did not. But I think that, that that's how the, the Patriots uh, try to attack every opponent. They, they try to take everything one game at a time. And, you know, it's uh, to, to try to look at at a, at a Patriot game plan from week to week, I think that you know that's not fair. I think build game plans for each team specifically. I don't think he tries to take you know one certain game plan into every game. That's why that team is so versatile and and their game plan is is so malleable because you know that he has a whole bunch of different things in in, in different back pockets for different teams. You know he knows what Chip Kelly's going to bring. So defensively, they're looking to do something different. And I think that you know. At, at, we're hearing right now that this New England Patriots team isn't uh, as defensively as stout as most people would like them to be. But that, mm-hmm. doesn't that seem like what it is always what, what goes on with New England, whether it's a Super Bowl year, when they win it, whether they go? You always hear, like, well, the Patriots are good, but their defense isn't that great. And it's always a yeah. bend, but don't break. Like but, 2014. I mean, it, it, it's worked before. It's worked plenty yeah. of times before. So I, I think they'll be all right. Yeah, and I, I, I wouldn't want to be the 49ers or, or Colin Kaepernick right Not now. At all. I, I got a feeling Not the defense is going to be a big story this week. Hey, listen, it Cole, bouncing around the league again here. Uh, kind of a uh, troubling story, and a really. Not making Aaron Rodgers look too good here. Uh, a story published in the Bleacher Report on Friday by former Packers beat writer Tyler Dunn reinforced the idea that Rodgers has little to no contact with his parents and two brothers, having cut them off completely nearly two years ago. And his own father buys tickets through StubHub if he wants to see his son play. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' stock, uh, you know, not just on the field right now, but off the field, he is taking a nosedive, huh? Yeah, I mean, and you know, it's, it's funny because we always goof around, and you know, and whatever show it is on, on NFL Network, we always goof that you know, I'm 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 a big time Drew Brees fan, you know, but I I I. I Kind of am, you know. I covered Drew Brees. You know, went down there, worked down there in New Orleans, and and, and covered nothing wrong with that. Years. I agree. Yeah, absolutely, and he's one of the best in the business. But when when you look at you know, the comparative scenario, Drew Brees versus Aaron Rodgers, I'm gonna take Drew Brees every day of the week because Me Aaron too. Rodgers, like you said, he, he's on that. That's he seems not necessarily be on a steady decline because I don't think he's played long enough to be already you know on on the on the back nine of his career, but. Like you're saying, I mean, he's not playing well. It's like he doesn't he doesn't have family in his corner, and not to say that that's always what what you need, but you know, a lot of times it is. And for him to have cut off his brothers and, and his parents, you know, not so much his brothers. I mean, maybe he could have got a got to go see a few tapings of The Bachelor, but uh, I think his parents. That's more important. I mean, it's the holiday season right now. It's like, man, it's been two years. Two years. I mean, that that seems to be a problem. And you know, you want your your quarterback to be a leader. And, you know, being a, part of being a leader and exhibiting leadership quality is you know to see how you act around family and i, I, don't, I don't maybe he doesn't have that right now i think that's 
you know, from what we've seen, from what the, the press clippings have indicated, that's where he's at right now. That's not always a good thing. Yeah, I know, I know. And, and you know, it, it's interesting. I mean, we, we both have had this, and we're both on the same side of that Breeze versus uh, Rogers. But, man, you know, I think our man Gabriel Morenci, who comes on every Monday and Friday as well, he he said a couple of weeks back, and I'll never forget, it was great. He goes, Aaron Rodgers is the Hillary Clinton of the media. He, he, he can do no wrong, no matter what. Well, you know what? That's changed. It's changed. Yeah. He's going more the way of Trump right now when it comes to the media. I'll tell you what, Aaron Rodgers, they've seen uh, some, he hasn't been playing well, and someone found a whole bunch of emails that he tried to delete. <laughs> you know? Hey, uh, Cole, the last time we had you on, uh, you made a great point, and I completely agree with you, and it was reinforced that night in Monday Night Football that the Giants just may be one of those teams to, to be a dark horse down the stretch run here and keep an eye on in the second half. Eric Edholm the next day uh, went in the AFC and said the Chiefs are the team he likes there to do the same thing. What's your okay. take on this Chiefs team right now? Uh, they had a nice comeback there in Carolina. Are they for real, though? Can they hang with the likes of the Patriots? I don't know. You know, I think that they've been winning some serious games, and that's what you need to do. You have to win those close ones. They have. You know, it's uh, they, they got that close one against the Saints. If you look at the Saints, they've lost their last five games by a combined 15 points. You know, three of them are four of them, I think, by less than three or by three points or less, and then the one to Kansas City by six. So the one good thing for Kansas City is that they win, and they win those close ones. But, you know, I, for my money, I'm, I think I have to go with the, with the Raiders. You know, that the Raiders team, mm. like we talked about them before. Obviously, they have Derek Carr, they have Coop, they have Crab, they have Jack Del Rio. They just have so many things going for them. And they also have youth on their side. And anytime you can bring a bunch of young guys to the party, man, we know that the NFL is a young man's game. It's extremely beneficial when you have a bunch of young guys that are playing together and gelling at the right time. And that's what Oakland's got going for them. I hear you, Bob. Uh, Cole, what are your thoughts on the Vikings-Cardinals game this weekend? Is this the uh, opportunity for the Vikings to put a uh, little EMS resuscitation triage to their uh, to their season? It, it is. You know, I think uh, they, they need to break the defibrillator out, but I don't think that this is going to be the week. You know, I think Arizona, they're a team that clearly started out slow. They had so many expectations, but, you know, I think that they're finally starting to get in the swing of things. And I, I think that we're going to keep seeing that rough patch for Minnesota continue. I think it's going to be five in a row. They're going to go to 500. And I think that's going to be the fourth in the rule of their season. At five and five, how do we finish this out? And I think they'll they'll finish out the last six games, maybe four and two. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. So, you know, nine and seven, I think that's where Minnesota's at right about now. I think that's the team that they are. I, I think that they're, they're just going to need to wait until next season and get, uh, get Teddy B back and start from scratch. Before we let you go, Cole, a, a tough thing to watch last night, uh, Luke Keekley taking that hit and – uh, in real like tears, like pouring tears out of his yeah. eyes, uh, as he got out and got onto the cart. Um, first of all, I haven't. I've been looking around. I can't find any explanation for why he was crying so much. But I mean, I think as many are uh, guessing and interpreting right now, it's that he has suffered plenty of concussions. He likely suffered one there, and he, you know maybe he's fearing the end there. Uh, that's just. It was just. I don't know any other words to say. It was tough to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, everyone's like, a, you know, I heard some people that were going out there and they were making light of that. Like, oh, yeah, like, you got to toughen up. There's no crying. And, like, you know what? If that is indeed, like, if, that's, if he knows that's a hit and that could be, the, in fact, the end of, you know, 
the Luke Keekly that we've known and, and, and come to love and, and appreciate what he does on the football field, then there's, there's nothing, there's no shame in that. I mean, think about if someone came to you and, and took the ability away from you to do what you love to do and to do that mm-hmm. on a daily basis. I mean, that, that'd be tough for you. You know, if someone, like, all of a sudden, in, within one blink of an eye, came and told you, Murph, no more radio. You can't do it. I know you love to do it, but yeah. you can't do it anymore. Been there. You, know, someone told me, <laughs> you can't, can't do that. Exactly. You know, and that, that's what makes 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 you makes you really uh, appreciate you know what these guys do week in and week out. I mean, they're, they're warriors, man. Like, like I mean, I, I, I love my job. You love your job. But have we ever done our yeah. jobs with three hundred pound guys trying to tackle? Never. No. You know, so and and we're not suffering from post concussion syndrome either. Well, well exactly. Cole, I am a divorce. I am a divorce attorney by trade, so I have been chased a few times. So yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> by three hundred pound guys. <laughs> <laughs> nice. See, we needed a little we needed a little smile there for sure it was because it was sad to watch but listen cole always a pleasure my friend enjoy the football this weekend and uh will we will do. talk to you around the corner all right absolutely be good guys great all right. thank you cole. cole Wright of nfl network joining us here on the stretch run on espn new hampshire i'm your host jimmy murphy that is bob bartis next to me we are live from boston billiards club and casino and i think are we going to be talking to uh, an employer here from the uh, casino, one of the mans? Uh, we are. Michael Lopez, the room manager of Casino casino Operations, will be joining us in the next segment here on the Stretch Run. So we'll get an inside look at what they got going on here over at Boston Billiards Club and Casino, 55 Northeastern Boulevard in Nashville. Come on down, say hello, play some games, have some fun. We'll be here. Come on back. Just text the show on our new text line, 845-827-1250. I woke up this morning. Someone was knocking at my door. I woke up this morning. Someone was knocking at my door And I said Hello, sweet Satan I believe it's time to go Brodeen carries down low, gives to Granlund. Granlund looking, centers, they score! Granlund fires this one on, it goes off the skate of McQuaid right into the net. Not very happy, he had been knocked down earlier in the shift, and this one, he just couldn't get out of the way. Ha! 
Welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, alongside Friday co-host Bob Bardis, my attorney, my Laszlo. Good place to have an attorney being in a uh, <laughs> casino, right? Boston Billiards Club and Casino. We are here at 55 Northeastern Boulevard. Come on down. Say hello over here at the ESPN New Hampshire table and play some games. I mean, they got everything here you can imagine. This is a great setup. Of course, they've got their pool tables from before and, the, and behind that are the gaming tables. And on to talk about that and more is Michael Lopez, the room manager of casino operations here. That's right. At Boston Billiards Casino Club. And uh, Mike. How's it going? You guys did a great job. Thanks, yeah. You're only a week old, right? Almost two weeks, yeah. Two weeks, okay. two weeks right today, actually. Awesome, man. It's going really well. So far, we're uh, growing every day. Uh, Last Friday, we had seven tables. So right now, we're trying to match that. We're about halfway there. That's great. Now, when you guys started off, uh, what was it like, and, and, and how much has it grown since? You said you're already grown in two weeks. That's oh, yeah. it. Yeah, first day we uh, kind of got a feel for it. Uh, we had about two pit tables open. We had one cash table open. Um, word of mouth is huge, obviously, so we've been spreading the word. Um, we're all over Facebook. We have a, a page on Facebook. And Twitter, um, too. Yep. Yep. You guys have been tweeting at me today. It's uh, at Boss Billiard Club. That's B-O-S Billiard Club. Correct. So, yeah, there yep. you go. And we have a radio uh, ad going right now for the month of November. Um, so far, it's good. Awesome. Now, listen, uh, a lot of people want to know, uh, since the gaming is new here in the area, one of the common questions I'm sure you asked is where does all the money go? So absolutely. why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So right now, the way it works in the state of New Hampshire is that 35% goes to the charity. And right now, the charity is the Seniors of Nashua. Uh, when we first opened, it was the Boys and Girls Club of Nashua. It changes every seven days or ten days. You either get a seven-day stretch or a ten-day stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, it's the seniors of Nashua. Thirty-five percent of the intake will go to them. Ten uh, percent will go to the state, and then fifty-five percent will go to the owner of the company. Michael, how how often can the uh, charities come in, and is there any limitations? Yeah, um, I think it's once or, uh, once a year, I believe. Um, and we're always taking applications for charitable, charitable gaming, uh, sorry, charitable organizations that want to come in. Always taking applications. Uh, we go out sometimes a year out, so we'll schedule them a year out. Um, so if you have anybody in mind that uh, you guys know that wants to get some charitable organization uh, donations, let us know. Take the application. It gets submitted to the state. It's got to get approved. And then you guys can be on our calendar maybe for 2017. And when did this start in the New ha- uh, southern New Hampshire area and then bigger scale there in New Hampshire? I actually got into it back in 2004. Okay. Uh, there was a uh, poker room opened up uh, in Manchester. It mm-hmm. was called Sharky's. Um, there was something in Nashville, I believe, right before that at the Holiday Inn, mm-hmm. right down the road, actually. Um, that was probably 2002, 2003. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so it's been around. For about 14 years, I think. Now, they got one over in Hampton Beach, too? Yeah, they got two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's one on Hampton Beach, actually on the strip, and yep. then they have one at Hampton Falls. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. I, I now, think we're up to, what, nine in the state? Are you now the ninth? I think we are the ninth with the tenth coming. Uh, Milford. Milford's moving from Milford to Nashua. Okay. Uh, it's coming pretty soon. So, yeah, wow. we'll have, uh, I think, ten. You're right. That's great. Now, you guys got, from what I see, plenty of plenty of games here. Give us a list of what is offered here. Yeah, sure. So, um, 
Our main, our main game right now is probably the 2-4 uh, the and the 1-2 No Limit Cash Ables. Mm -hmm. uh, those are poker games. Um, of course, like I said, No Limit. Uh, minimum buy-in is 50 for the 1-2, max buy-in 300. And for the 2-4 No Limit, you have a minimum buy-in of 100, max buy-in 500. Um, those, that's, that's our bread and butter. We're trying to get that going and trying to promote that every day, all day. Uh, but right now, the pit is right over there, and that has games like Blackjack, uh, $2, and $4 betting only. Uh, in the state of New Hampshire, they kind of limit you to $4 bets. Okay. Um, then we have Roulette, and that's, again, same thing, $4 bet maximum. But you, in that game, you can bet all throughout the, the board. You can spread out your cool. bets, $4 all that over That goes the place. great with our radio salaries. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys can afford it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we have games like Let It Ride, simple game like just like in the casino. Again, $4 max bet. And then we have a game called Mississippi Stud. Um, it's kind of like a Let It Ride game meets... Uh, Kind of like a let it ride meets a three card poker ish kind of a game. Um, it's again, it's a five five card game, um, so you got to make a poker hand out of five cards. Um, that game gets pretty uh, pretty interesting. You can bet a lot and you can win a lot in that game. Max pay will be two thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, cool. What yeah. what type of tournaments do we have coming up? In January, we're looking at some tournaments. Our first inaugural tournament will probably be a hundred dollar buy in. Uh, we'll probably do some incentives or some raffles for that tournament itself. Uh, that's coming in January. Our whole tournament structure and schedule will be coming out probably end of December. Okay. And is that is that a type of tournament where you can do a rebuy or there's there a, a loser's bracket table and people can still come in or is it a have to be here at the start of the day and go the marathon? Um, I don't know if that's been decided yet, but typically today's doing a lot of rebuy tournaments. So it's okay. probably leaning towards rebuys for okay. the first uh, two hours, something like that. Gotcha. Okay. Just to let you guys know, our hours are... are I was just going to go there. I was going to say, is it the same as last call for alcohol or no? Um, pretty close. Uh, we do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, open till 1 a.m. Wow. Yeah. And then the rest of the days of the week open till midnight. And we open stuff. every day at, at noon. Good stuff. Now, I was, I was saying off the air, we gotta, we got to cut to break here, but one of the things I've always been curious about, sometimes I like to look at the uh, sports games there. You ever see that broadening across the country? I mean, it's pretty much centrally Las Vegas right now, but do you see that ever spreading? Uh, I mean, I know we got it online, but, I mean, in person. Yeah, I would say no to that. That's what I'm thinking, yeah, too. I would say no to that. Uh, I think Vegas has had kind of on lockdown right now. And yeah. There's probably reasons why that I don't know about. So. Right. Yeah, I don't think so. Not New Hampshire. I hear you. I don't bet sports, so I'm not sure. Well, that's Yeah, you're a lucky man then. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Listen, Mike, pleasure to meet you. Thanks. You've done a great job Thanks. here. The place looks beautiful, and uh, we look forward to being here again. Also, last thing, anybody knows any dealers, poker dealers, um, roulette dealers, pit game dealers, we're always taking applications. Okay. All right, guys. Cool. Thanks a lot. Appreciate Sounds it. Sounds good. That is Michael Lopez, the room manager of Casino Operations here at the Boston Billiards Club and Casino, 55 Northeastern Boulevard. Bob Bardis, my attorney Laszlo here. You're with me now. I'm going to need you tonight then. I'm with you. He, I'm with he you. looks like a tough customer, man. I definitely need <laughs> Mr. Laszlo. <laughs> no no bats, though, okay? Right. No no, no ether, no bats. Right. We'll be all right. No, no aces up your sleeve. Yeah, We're good. exactly. We're good. We're good. But listen, we got uh, two hours down here at the Boston Billiards Club and Casino, 55 Northeastern Boulevard in Nashua. Coors Light doing a great job bringing this to you live and we're always happy to do events with them and Emskig Liquors as well. Uh, in our next segment, we're going to go to San Francisco, the city by the bay. Talk about Tom Brady and his roots in the San Francisco area with Bill Burt of the Lawrence Eagle Tribune. He's been out there for a few days talking to his friends and family and former high school coaches and whatnot. Just exploring the roots of, in my eyes, the greatest quarterback to ever live, Mr. Tom Brady. Uh, great commercial there by uh, Foot Lock. We might have to play that again when we come back here on the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. So stay with us. One more hour left here 
from Boston Billiards Club and Casino.